is waiting. Welcome to episode three of The Conclave. The Conclave is our community invite show where we ask fans of Elite to join us in discussing some of the burning topics of the development of the latest game in the franchise, Elite Dangerous. I'm your host, Fozza Forrester, and joining me tonight playing the role of Debbie McGee is the ever-so-pretty John Stabler. Good evening. The worst <laughs> intro you've ever done for me. That's, that's worse than the racist one. <laughs> How could that possibly be worse than the racist one? I thought that was quite funny. Um, yeah, sorry, but going from shagging sheep to shagging Paul Daniels, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Would you like me to change it for you? No, you're fine. Uh, and joining John and myself this evening, uh, we have Ben. Hey guys, it's Ben here, aid from the forums. And joining Ben, we've also got James. Hello, I'm James Viger, one Viger on the forums. Uh, and finally, Phil. <laughs> Greetings, I'm uh, Phil Pentax from the forums and I'm um, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Great stuff. Okay, so uh, this show we're going to be talking about two topics. The first is the question of should Elite Dangerous be trying to emulate MMOs? And the second, the question of control, which I'm sure we'll revisit again and again. But the question of control in terms of the user interface and also what we would like in terms of control methods for the game. Okay, so we'll jump straight into it with the first question. Should Lee Dangerous be trying to emulate MMOs? When this question is asked, people will usually answer with their feelings on MMOs. People who have had positive experience will say yes and point to some of the ingenious features that make them great social games. Those who have had negative experience will say no and cite news stories of addiction, antisocial behaviour and forced PvP and, of course, that age-old favour of grinding. In reality, these things are more complex than people appreciate. So before I open this up to the panel, I believe we've got some contributions that have come in from the community. Commanders, incoming transmissions. Darren Gray, a.k.a. Darren Gray. Should Elite Dangerous be trying to emulate MMOs? Well, there's two parts to my answer for that. The first is, no, of course it shouldn't. It's not trying to be like other MMOs. It's trying to be its own thing, and it should go out and do what is right for Elite itself not what other MMOs have done. There's been so many attempts to clone MMOs and so many have been giant wastes of money. Frontier need to do the right thing and get the market right for their game. The second part of my answer is of course it should be trying to emulate MMOs. There's so many important lessons to be learned from other games that have come before about community interactions, about how players behave, about controlling communities, about how keeping people engaged, and of course about how to keep it profitable and, and running servers and things like that, doing it all right. So definitely yes and definitely no. Darian, aka Dax Drexen. Starting with the question, should Elite Dangerous be emulating other MMOs? Hmm. If I were to give a simplistic response to that, I would say no. The three MMOs slash MUDs that I've played in my time, firstly starting with Micronet Shades in 1986, progressing to the great Finnish MUD called Batmud in the 90s, and then of course inevitably the MMO that was or is World of Warcraft at raiding level for several years in the noughties. Um, in my experience towards the end of my time in WoW, that says to me, really, no, Elite Dangerous should not emulate WoW's formula or those of other MMOs that have largely cloned its gameplay and mechanics, which I think are quite worn and irritating by now. For instance, the scenario of quest givers and go kill 10 of this, collect 12 of that, come back to me with text dialogues that open up on screen, that in my opinion would be a mistake. It may be a tried and tested formula, but it's also a tired one. 
it also really damages immersion for me. And that's the thing I really want to get from Elite Dangerous, a deep sense of immersion. I want to walk around the interior of my craft as it's flying along and see the dust vibrate on the engine cowling internally. And dialogue windows ruin immersion. The BBS system in Frontier was okay at the time, but I would not want an updated version of that either. I would almost prefer the quests to be, say, zonal-based, so for instance if you moved within the range of a stricken craft, for instance, you might get an incoming audio or video transmission from that craft, which would be the commencement of an event slash mission, etc., which you could choose to ignore or let unfold. That would seem like a better approach to me. Rory Scarlet, aka Rory Scarlet. Well, I'd admit I've never played an MMO, as I've never had the time to commit to them. I'm slightly afraid of MMOs, to be honest. I've heard stories of people spending inordinate amounts of time playing them instead of having a real life, and that's certainly not what I want anyone to do who plays Elite Dangerous. From what I've heard from friends, you do need to invest a certain amount of time, though, in an MMO to get the most of them. Like most of us backers, I work full-time and have a wife and young daughter. I foresee I'll get a maximum of five hours a week out of Elite Dangerous if I'm lucky. These hours will probably be after my late shifts of work, when most other players are in bed, other than the teenagers and students, who won't be elite frontier vets. So for my elite dangerous experience, I don't think it needs to emulate an MMO. John Harper, aka Thargoid. I'm not sure I'm the most qualified person to answer that question, but my answer would be no. Elite's always been elite, it's different from everything else. Emulation is not what elite's about. However, there will be aspects of MMOs which Elite will obviously need to have but that shouldn't be what it's trying to do it should be trying to be Elite drawing on the good parts of MMOs So John we'll start with you mate what's your thoughts? Well it's um, I mean it was my suggested topic I wasn't going to go on to some kind of soapbox to preach about it but um, I've listened to some of the the comments that were made because we've obviously invited uh, people to record their feelings on the question and straight off the bat one of them was um, kind of anti uh, MMO uh, not because they've actually experienced it but because they've heard bad things about it uh, and this is just in relation to things like you know you hear these stories about people dying while playing World of Warcraft, you know, they don't go to the toilet or they don't eat or something. Now, the media have had a bit of a moral panic or a moral crusade against computer games and and, and particularly, you know, MMOs, um, just like they did with the video nasties of the 80s. Um, And I actually do a talk about this. A lot of people know that I I actually run one of the skeptics in the pubs and my talk is about video game addiction and how that um, there's no evidence to say that video games are any more addictive than than anything else could be if you have a behavioural addiction problem. So all these stories um, are usually highlighted by the media who have an agenda. Just as many people get into trouble or even die being, you know, behaviourally addicted to lots of other things, they just don't make the news. So that's a pretty uncompelling reason for Elite Dangerous because there are good things about MMOs. But I think, you know, if people are going to like them or dislike them, it's going to be for, you know, whatever their preference is. MMOs do employ some tactics which, you know, subtly make you play a bit longer, perhaps. And, you know, it's well documented. But at the same time, there's a lot of features of it. Uh, The social side of things lends itself to, you know, engaging with people. Um, and having a bit more fun in the game rather than just uh, having it as a, as a kind of like single person uh, pastime. 
Uh, and also, a lot of people would say, if you're a bit of a sado or whatever, if you're going to sit around <laughs> playing MMOs, and I know that that would be brought up. But at the end of the day, that's a value judgment. During one of my talks, and I'll be quick with this, but during my, one of my talks, somebody stood up and, and they told me about their friend who who was taken away from them, sadly, by World of Warcraft. <laughs> And what, what they said basically was, oh, they stopped coming out shopping with me. And instead <laughs> they wanted to, to play World of Warcraft. Um, it's so antisocial. Uh, and I thought, well, and I actually really nailed them on the spot. And I said, well, that's a bit of a value judgment because I think you're quite sad for going out shopping all the time. You know, and, and who are you to say that uh, what she's what your friend is doing is worthwhile or not compared to shopping, for instance, just because shopping is more mainstream. She didn't really have anything to say to that. I was going to say, what would you say were the uh, addictive qualities that you know, the likes of World of Warcraft and the other MMOs? What is it that grabs people in your mind uh, and keeps them sort of playing that sort of appeal to their addictive you know, personality? There is an element to it which works on us all at a, on a psychological a basic subconscious level um, and that is the way that things like grinding and, and quest rewards are actually put together. And this is based on a lot um, psychological work by Skinner. Um, I don't know if any of you have read any of it. Um, he invented this idea of the Skinner box, um, which you put a pigeon into. And they could train pigeons pretty quickly by giving them rewards if they perform certain tasks. And then they changed the reward mechanism um, to get the most work out of the pigeon for the least reward. And, and the MMOs, particularly World of Warcraft is the best example, employ a lot of tactics which are very similar to this. Now, I'm not saying that the game designers have intentionally tried to make the game addictive. I think that what they've probably tried to do is intentionally make the game more playable and more interesting while grinding, which um, has unfortunately a side effect that it can be seen as a bit ad addictive. Interesting stuff. So addictive. Phil, what's your thoughts? I do actually agree with John um, on many points. The the thing about MMOs is it's not the game, it's what you find in the game that attracts you to it, like anything. You don't go back to something if you don't like it. If you do like it, you can't stay away from it. What I'm interested in knowing is by trying to emulate MMOs, are you meaning emulate as in mimic? Well, I, I think the talking about emulate is that originally, I think in a video, David Braben said that um, it's not going to be an MMO because he obviously wanted to distance himself from that genre of games. But there is a persistent world there, and you do have the ability to meet other people across the world. Okay, there may be some kind of a, a limit on, on the number of people that you can engage with at any one time. But in effect, it is an MMO, just going by you know a simple definition. So when I say engaging with MMO, is it going to include qualities which um, sh you know share qualities with other MMOs, um, maybe things like you know um, are the quests going to encourage um, working together as groups? Um, is there going to be any concept of things like crafting, something that um, keeps you in the game in the long haul? Um, those kinds of things. I think um, the, the strength of an MMO is its capacity to form communities. The MMO games that I played over the years. One in particular springs to mind where it was much, much a free-for-all for every player. You could kill people and steal from people and there was no regulation. And where I think people are, are concerned about Elite is that 
it's going to be that kind of environment, which I would actually like. So, yeah, there's a lot of games, a lot of MMOs that, that allow you to do this. Without restriction, these games are really, really popular. Whether Elite's going to incorporate ideas from other games and, you know, the, the game, the, the idea that makes these games great, is Elite going to incorporate some of those ideas in order to make Elite Dangerous greater or better? If it does, who cares? If it makes, if it's for the game, it's going to be good. And you're going to get people saying, well, I've seen that in WoW or, you know, Wing Commander did this, but not forgetting Elite did it first. And every other space sim game is a, a clone of Elite in some way or other. Okay, Ben, what's your thoughts on it? I think at the end of the day, you Elite Dangerous is an MMO. It is massively multiplayer online game. There's no arguing if and or buts. It's just it's a fact. It's not WoW. It's not Star Wars. It's not EverQuest or anything like that. But it is an MMO. There is going to be a massive virtual dynamic player-driven economy. There is going to be a whole lot of PvE content in there. There is going to be a whole lot of PvP content in there. Whether it's player-driven, whether it's game-driven, doesn't matter. It's, it's going to be in there. I think even the original Elite did have... There were some quests, shall we say, in the original Elite, but that wasn't an MMO. It wasn't even an RPG. But there was still stuff there that we see carried forward into modern-day MMO RPGs. So I don't, I don't really see what people are crying about saying, wah, Elite Dangerous is an MMO. Okay. James, you've got probably a slightly different uh, angle on all this because you're actually probably one of the, the youngest members on the forum. I think you're, what, 17? Oh, you're 16. 16. James, you're one of the youngest members <laughs> on the forum uh, at 16. So I mean, your experience of gaming is going to certainly differ to uh, the majority of the people that are... Uh, yeah, are interested in Elite. And to say that you weren't even around when Elite first came out was a, a bit of a shocking find for me. But what games have you played in the past? What sort of MMOs have you been exposed to? And you know, what are the good points in those that you think you know Elite Dangerous should be copying? And what are the things that you'd like them to sort of steer clear of? Well, I've played quite a few MMOs actually in my time. I've I started basically down at the bottom with RuneScape, and I've I've played quite a few actually. I've played. Star Trek Online, I've played Star Wars The Old Republic. So yeah, overall I've played quite a few. And when you think of an MMO, you tend to think of sort of a leveling up system, sort of skills, and as was mentioned before, actually quite a lot of grinding as well. And I think there are certainly places for some of these things in Elite Dangerous, but not all of them. Like grinding isn't the kind of thing people would want to do, and it doesn't really fit with Elite either, because obviously each individual ship you kill or each individual NPC or player would have quite a big impact on the universe and on your uh, character in a sense as well. Rather than in an MMO, it just contributes to sort of your skill and your level. You're saying that grinding doesn't have anything to do with Elite Dangerous, yet all you're doing at the beginning of playing the very first game of Elite was shuttling back and forth, grinding your trade run to get money. In that sense... Yes, I suppose you are, but I'm used to thinking of grinding in terms of sort of killing scores of sort of enemies and just sort of seeing them laid out in a big field and you just sort of kill loads of them in one go. And so, yeah, in, in that sense, in terms of trading, 
there there would be a lot of a lot of grinding in that way. But in terms of killing just to level up, not in that sense. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I, I think that like it or not, I think grinding is actually a fundamental part of any game because without grinding, how can you have reward? You need to spend your time doing something. And that is usually how it, it's one of the few ways that we can say that you've achieved something in game is by spending time doing something. And whether that's milk runs in Elite or whether that's, you know, skinning something in WoW to, to, to get leather and you, you spend hours doing it. You've got to be doing something and it's going to be repetitive. And from an outside point of view, a lot of people would say, wow, why the hell would you want to spend your time doing that? Um, but I think that is the fundamental part of all of these games. I mean, is it though? Because can anybody think of any MMOs where you don't have uh, some sort of grinding mechanism, some sort of repetitive nature? Uh, in order to get your experience levels up. I mean, I'm thinking of EVE Online, where there's quite a big diversity in the type of missions that you can do, but at the end of the day, there's still an element of grinding if you're mining asteroids or doing repetitive missions. Okay, so the missions may change, but you're still missioning um, in order to gain experience, in order to be able to sort of build up your, you know, your ship and your experience. Are there any MMOs out there that don't have a grinding mechanism? I would argue, are there any games out there that don't involve grinding? Oh, like Mass Effect or things like that, does that involve grinding? Um, I, 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 I'm going to shock people now and say I've never played Mass Effect. But um, I get, let's take something really radical, something like a first-person shooter, um, like Call of Duty. Now, the actual gameplay is probably as far removed from grinding as, as you could probably get. But there's still a grinding element in there in so much that if you want to progress in the game and you want to rank up, you know, it does involve just playing the game in a very repetitive nature, you know, to maximize your score so you can get, you know, you can unlock things for your gun, um, unlock different um, abilities. Uh, and that's what I mean is on a kind of philosophical level, all games are grinding because you're just, you're exchanging time for achievement. Um, and some of them are better at it than others. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think you know, Star Wars The Old Republic, it hides the grind, but the grind is still there. You're still killing 10 Ewoks or something like that. I mean, I think that um, you know, World of Warcraft, for instance, is, is, is very upfront with the fact that you're grinding because they just say to you, go and get 10 skins off these animals in this location. Um, but as you said, other MMOs or other games probably hide it a lot better in that it's not so um, implicit. Okay, so, I mean, does it matter if it, the grinding experience is a solo experience or if it's something that you would have to do as a community? So, I mean, take, for example, I just thought of it, the, uh, the game that I'm currently playing at the moment, uh, which, unfortunately, Christopher Jarvis has put me onto, which is uh, Animal Crossing. And it's, it's not an MMO per se, but there does have a community element to it where you can invite people into your village um, but the most amount of time that I, I spend in the game is is grinding. It's going, it's collecting fish, collecting bugs uh, to get more money in order to be able to upgrade my town. Yeah, and yeah, there's little bits that, that don't involve it where you go and you play in somebody else's town for a little while. Um, but overall, it's still a grinding game. So with Elite Dangerous, what sort of things would we like to see which would maybe sort of negate grinding or get rid of grinding? John? Um, just quickly, I don't think that we can. I mean, I, 
they don't get rid of things like the stock market, for instance. You know, milk runs are going to be grinding, um, and it's a major feature that everyone loved. So it's still going to be in there, um, even though it's the most obvious form of grinding possible. And I'd just like to remind, I don't know if everybody here has actually been in there, but I built a stock market chat room for the Lave website, which is still, you know, in, in testing. But it's amazing how many people, you know, are quite happy to uh, spend time sat in the chat room trading stocks for nothing more than a virtual currency um and you know there's not even a nice little coin sound when you do a trade or something like that it's very <laughs> very it's just in your face you know you've made this much money on this trade you know and it's not just a plug as some you know people might say um it, it's just another example of how people are willing to grind because it passes the time it's doing something other than trolling the forums or you know um just sitting there watching tv i guess now i actually think because of the uh, the joy of just making a little bit of money uh, or do you think it's because you've put a scoreboard up there as well and that desire for people to sort of be number one in the scoreboard yeah you got a good point there is a scoreboard there um uh, and again i suppose that builds in the competitive side of it so, yeah, I guess that's going to be an extra thing. But I think that even if there was no scoreboard there, I think people would have still, you know, compared screenshots of how much money they had and stuff like that. I only built it in so that people could compare more than have a competition or anything like that. OK, Phil, what are you thinking on all this? Conquer Online is a game that springs to mind. Uh, that is an MMO where you don't have to grind, but you can spend as much money as you can afford on levelling up your character. Um, that's a game that, that I used to play with a lot of friends, and it's more for the kids, I, I suppose. But you, yeah, you didn't have to grind in that game, um, but you did have to spend money on Dragon Balls, which allowed you to uh, enhance your equipment and higher your level. Grinding, how or by what means in Elite Dangerous would you negate grinding? I suppose... Being a, an, an ex-Eve online player, which I don't like to admit too often, you know, there's there's gate camping. We used to camp gates for hours, days, and everybody who came through lost the ships, lost everything. All you had to do was activate your target lock and fire your missiles. Boom, they're dead. Didn't have to go anywhere. There's more than you than there is of them. So it's a win-win situation. Uh, that is one area of Elite Dangerous where... I could think hmm, if you get if you know like a good jump point where where people are jumping into a system or even jumping out of a system, um, you could put ships close by and just wait for them to come to you, um, which might be highly enjoyable for certain people of the imperial persuasion. <laughs> so you're saying that that could be an element of the game where you know you're actually be playing the game as opposed to just doing a repetitive grind. Because I suppose, yeah, you are there with a group of friends. You are you know, basically enacting your role. You're not doing something that seems you know, artificial just for the sake of going up the, you know, the experience rank or the grinding path. That's an interesting one. James? Yeah, I mean, grinding, it seems, is something that's going to be a, kind of unavoidable because it's been something in previous Elite games and is also a massive thing in current games as well. I mean, if, if Frontier can find a way to break the mould and you know get another way of leveling up in that sense then then sure i think that would be worth looking into but for the most part i think grinding is likely to be something we need to see i think it shouldn't be quite i don't think it should be really repetitive 
one of the things I that actually drove me out of certain MMOs was the fact that I needed to grind for hours on end to actually be able to achieve what I needed to achieve. And I think in a way, uh, one of the ways Elite could do this is, you know, you can basically be doing the same thing, but, you know, having to put some effort into it naturally so that it doesn't feel repetitive, I think is really a goal they need to go for because repetitive gameplay, you know, just going back and forth between two systems, for instance, I think could be, you know, could get quite boring after a while. So trading, for instance, obviously in Elite Dangerous, we've got a dynamic economy. The um, the prices of different commodities in different systems are going to be changing. In previous games, they stayed static. So yeah, having to actually explore and find the systems where you're going to get the best deal. And then obviously when that changes, do it again, that can change it up. And also looking in terms of other grinding things when it comes to bounty hunting or piracy, looking for the right targets and not just sort of sitting somewhere and shooting at anyone who comes along. Because you obviously want to get the best, the best sort of reward, the best return for your time. And in order to be able to find that, I think you actually need to be able to put some effort in. I think that's an interesting point. And certainly one of the things that came up from Michael on the LaveCon was the fact that Frontier developers were going to try and uh, make milk runs a thing of the past, that every time you did a trade, you had to be sort of researching what you could take from A to B and what was needed. Uh, and that was going to be changing all the time. So, yeah, you can't do the, the old milk run from you know, to lave, from lave to listy, uh, just you know, rinse and repeat. So, yeah, that might make things seem a little bit more that less artificial and more more realistic whilst we uh, you know whilst you're still doing a sort of a grinding okay ben i'm just thinking is there a, is it actually such a bad thing that we have milk runs or grinding parts of the game because there are, there are some times when i know and i want to you know i want to go in there and i want to kick imperials rear ends and there's other times when i might want to just go off and do a safe run and just fly around in my ship, not really worry about anything. I'm feeling a little bit tender, and I just want to sort of make a wee bit of money. Well, actually, he's got a good point there because um, no, he has, yeah. going back to the old uh, my my go-to World of Warcraft analogy, you know, there'd be several evenings where you could be playing with your friends, you know, you could be raiding or whatever, but there could be maybe one evening of the night where you don't want to have to concentrate. Um, hardcore on, you know, downing a boss or whatever, or maybe you, you're feeling a bit tired, so you know you're not going to be up late enough to go through the whole encounter. So instead, you know, your friends say, what are you up to? And you say, I'm out grinding um, for, for this or for that, because, you know, you know I'm going to be a fisherman because um, I want to make this awesome food, which I can use in a raid for another night and stuff like that. So Although it's a multiplayer game, there are options for people to go out on their own and go and grind for that bit of solitary, you know, because we all need it sometimes, you know, that, but that, that solitary experience of just playing on your own. No, I agree. So you're basically saying that there should be modes of play that revolve around how much time you have to spend on the game in any particular sort of session. Yeah. And it was also and it was nearly said about milk runs that they do have a place, not just so that people have got something to go to. Um, without too much thinking but they can help newbies as well because if there is a like an easy milk run that's safe that information will get online in no time and then the noobs can go to that 
um, as a way to make money to, to you know, get their first uh, ship upgrades. James? I see what you're saying about, you know, somehow wanting to relax in an evening and just sort of just play and still be able to achieve something. But I think there should still be some effort in terms of being able to get the biggest reward. You should still be able to get, you know, a fairly substantial reward for just doing, you know, it, it shouldn't be too hard to find something that will still give you some reward. Phil, I mean, do you want to do you want to step in and pick up? Yeah, John, what you've just said about, you know, you do you do your grinding, you play your game, you've got a couple of hours to do it in. That wouldn't be my idea of of the game. My idea of playing elite would be to spend as many hours as the day allows. Um, <laughs> you know, I would be, I'd be totally engrossed in this. I have waited for this since 1999, and that is, what, 14 years ago. I can't imagine just spending a couple of hours. I know you've, everybody's got different lifestyles, and they've got wives and kids, and thankfully I don't have any of those constraints on my life, so I, I fully expect to be spending every living, breathing, waking hour in Elite Dangerous. Well, I'm hoping to do the same thing. Um, it's just, you know, from past experience in like an MMO environment, um, you know, there would be nights where you had plenty of time to go and do exactly what you're talking about, whatever you wanted, or to, you know, engage with all the other people. But, you know, sometimes there were nights where you just thought, you know what, I, I, I can't be bothered. I'm just going to go and do a bit of grinding. I'm going to go and improve this one particular skill. Not necessarily because it didn't involve other people, but that was maybe a kind of like a benefit. Yeah. And, yeah I, mean, I mean, Phil, you've talked about um, you know, EVE Online. There's, there are various things on EVE Online. I mean, you could do your, your basic mining stuff. But there were certain nights where you wanted to do corp stuff. And, you know, know, the the corp side of things, if you had a corp operation to do, that could go on for hours and hours and hours. And sometimes it's just not practical to have that much time to spend. So on those times where it's not practical, you'd go off and you'd mine or you'd go off and do some some ratting in the asteroids and stuff like that. Yeah, EVE Online is a very good game. It's what I would describe as probably the closest thing to my perfect game that I've found yet. Because yeah. it allows you the freedom to do essentially what I want to be doing in Elite, um, but it's not Elite, and that's the important thing. But yeah, there's there's a lot of scope to do mining. You know, you do your um, corporation duties if if you're part of a, a of a corp, um, which usually involves screwing over your opponents, enemies, or anybody else who gets in the way, which is great fun. But there is a limit. There is a limit to the to the appeal of the game. You know, once you've once you've been mining for three weeks and um, you've been killed three hundred times, you really think, well, does this game have anything else to offer? So although although there's there's plenty of scope in Eve to do a lot of things, it is a bit limited in in its gameplay. And this is where I really hope Elite Dangerous is different. And what I think it was John. Who mentioned what Michael said about the milk runs? That is really interesting. If they're developing a game that's um, that's fluidic in that way, it's going to uh, it's going to mimic something of, of real life, and that's going to appeal to me. I don't know how it's going to appeal to masses, but it will certainly appeal to me. Okay, Ben. Um, Phil, I was just wondering. You're mentioning about corps and even line and things like that, or guilds and Warcraft. What's your take on the lack of guilds in Elite Dangerous? Okay, this is a, a subject very, very close to my heart because I've already mentioned communities 
and games that form communities are strong games. So when I can't remember who, who put it on the forum, I think it was Michael actually, they had no plans to incorporate guilds, corporations or otherwise into the game at this time. It would be up to players to form their own. Now that's not a problem um, as long as you know who you're shooting at and who's in, in your group. Uh, you can imagine, say, if me and John were in, in a battle together, which isn't that unlikely, and Fozzer was on John's team, and John could very well hit Fozzer by accident because there's no guild set up or, um, you know, like players having all having the same colour of emblem on the ship to indicate they're on your side or anything like that. I think it's very important that they include that. Do you think that John should be allowed to shoot Fozzer if they're on the same group? There should be an option. In some games you have like um, an open hand and a closed hand, and the closed hand is battle and the open hand is peace. You could have, um, you know, like some console button which uh, switches on um, FOF, uh, you know, what's it called? Friend yeah, of thank fire. you. Yeah. Thank you. You could have that what's enabled um, to stop him shooting Fozzer. I would actually turn it off on my ship because Foz is a nice guy. I'd still shoot you. Okay, I'm turning it back on. <laughs> well, this is some of the things that we say, you know, what do we want to emulate and what do we want to sort of steer away from? So obviously one of the things that have come across there that we would all like to see included in Elite Dangerous is the community aspect. So, you know, the one thing that the MMOs have by their, you know, just by their natural being is the, the fact that they bring a community together. Uh, whilst you guys have been talking, I've been saying something that... Um, I've been writing down. So grinding is something that we would we would like to see and we wouldn't like to see, and uh, the element of griefing, which is something that we've we've touched on a bit, that you get certainly on Eve Online. It's the one that thing that uh, that Phil hasn't said. I've been sat here. I'm not a I'm not a care bear on Eve Online at all. I am down in no space. But the the issue of ganking, I think there is an element of that that can potentially take the enjoyment away from another player. Now, you know, is that an element of MMOs that we don't want to see? in Elite Dangerous, or would do we want, as Phil says, Elite Dangerous to be a, a free-for-all, take your licks and get on with it kind of thing? John, what's your impressions? Yeah, I mean, this is something that I've discussed, we've all discussed on the forums in, you know, various places. You know, griefing is kind of subjective, you know. I mean, if you, if you define it as just someone who's going out of their way to make, you know, everyone's lives miserable, you know, intentionally, then, you know, it's not really a lot of that. It's not as much as people think. It's as soon as people start kind of broadening the term to people who kill you when they're a lot more powerful than you, or they broaden it to they kill you more than once in, you know, because you came back to the same location and they were still there. Um, That it kind of, that's why the area gets greyed. And that's why there's so much um, discussion about it is because people are talking past each other. They have different definitions of what griefing is. And so what I've always tried to do, if I've ever had a conversation about it on a forum, is try to nail down what exactly is it that people call griefing. Because you pretty soon find out that your idea of what it is differs to other people's. Now, as far as griefing goes, you know, in terms of, you know, more powerful players just coming along and shooting other players or... You know, if you're on an asteroid mining, someone comes along and kills you because they want your asteroid, and then you come back um, and they kill you again, 
then that's fine. That's all within the reality of the game. That's all within the rules. You're not exploiting anything. And I think that, that kind of realism needs to stay within the game because even if you removed all other players of the game, I would expect good AI to do the exact same thing to you. If this is the cutthroat yeah. universe that apparently uh, the elite universe is. So what I'm hoping for is I'm hoping that the developers will create a, a universe where NPCs and players you know, can be treated exactly the same because they act uh, in very similar ways. And also that they do let people get into the game more gradually. You know, I'm all for like the secure space. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like that idea because it's a bit too Eve. But I think that there, there can be a balance without having to split it into a PvP versus PvE server. Not that I'm necessarily against that idea. <laughs> but what I'm, but I do think that there's a false dichotomy been set up by people saying that if we don't have PVE versus PVP, we're effectively still splitting the community. Because I don't believe that um, if we just have a PVP only, that all people who prefer PVE will necessarily go and play single player. I don't think that will happen. Okay, James, what's your thoughts on the griefing aspect? Well, I think John's just said a lot of what I was going to say in terms of, you know, in terms of PvP free systems. But, okay, so what you've got in a lot of MMOs is you've got different servers, or in World of Warcraft's case, you've got realms. And a lot of those servers will be split into role-playing, you've got PvE, and you've got PvP. And in a lot of PvP servers, you can just sort of attack a player uh, for whatever reason, wherever and whenever, except in certain secure places such as the sort of home city the main area so i don't think we're going to really need that in elite because i think it's already been said before in the way that you've got sort of the police force and bounty hunters and stuff like that so that even if you're shooting players in what would normally be a secure system one of the core worlds for instance then you know you're going to be pushed out of it quite quickly Whereas on, on the frontier, you know, you've got that PvP element anyway, like you would have in a PvP server on a regular MMO. So I don't think restricting PvP is going to be particularly necessary when you've got prevention systems like that um, inherently in place anyway. Cool. Phil, final thoughts on this? Yeah, John said that it would be copying Eve to have like uh, low security sector space. But I'm thinking in, in Frontier Elite 2 and Frontier First Encounters, you had the core systems which, you know, shoot anything and you get chased by the police. You also had on the other end of the scale, the anarchic systems where it was survival of the fittest. So the low security state of some systems still existed in those games. And it wouldn't be any different in Elite Dangerous. It certainly wouldn't be copying Elite. This is one of the main whinges that I have about people saying Elite doesn't need to copy other games is that every idea that's in these space sim type games springs from Elite. So Elite will be continuing what it started, whether it's taking other ideas in or not. You know, I think um, low security space would be a good thing especially if you've got 300 members of your corporation in there waiting for your enemy to turn up. <laughs> okay, John. Yeah, no, I, I kind of just wanted to agree with Phil on that last bit. This idea of copying of the games is kind of 
it's kind of sad you know they should copy other games because they should be taking what works in other games and putting it in this game because if there's something that is a, a killer feature just because it's in eve doesn't mean we shouldn't have it don't you know prejudice yourself if it's a good feature and every you know it's going to appeal to the elite crowd because it fits in with the universe you should have it okay john and can you think of a couple of things that you'd want to see in and stuff that you definitely wouldn't want to see in um wow off the top of my head um yeah, I, i'm pretty relaxed you know i i i, I firstly i do want to see stuff that i haven't seen before but i'm not expecting that for the whole game I want to see more in-depth missions. Um, I want to see missions that require you to group together because that would ob- that would obviously be a new feature because it's multiplayer. I think that would be a great way of getting people used to playing with other players, people who may not necessarily like the playing against other players, but would definitely want to um, you know go for the cooperative aspects. There's so many games out there now, and I think they discovered it a few years ago, especially with things like first-person shooters. There was a massive market for cooperative first-person shooters rather than deathmatch. All of a sudden, you know, you just needed to add in that you could play the single-player levels with friends online. And, you know, people went for that in a massive way. So I think there is, you know, the group quest is a major selling point. Yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking of uh, of Borderlands being one of the ones that I played to death in, in cooperative mode. Okay, Ben. What about you? What sort of things have you thought of that you would like to see included in Elite Dangerous from other MMOs or just from the MMO genre and stuff that you wouldn't want to see? That I wouldn't want to see. Well, I wouldn't want to see Goon Squad hanging around Lave Station shooting everybody. <laughs> um, on Goon the other Squad, hand... those people that don't know, are a um, are one of the big pirate sort of corporations or mercenary corporations in EVE Online that uh, are notorious for being badasses and uh, basically uh, making sure that they ruin your game. Sorry, on the other hand, on. I think it would be absolutely awesome to have Goon Squad hanging out outside Life Station <laughs> with the police swarming all over them and holding their own, possibly even turning it back into a dictatorship. <laughs> you know, it, that would form for one of those story moments that MMOs need. I'm sure Alan Stroud would have something to say about turning it back to a dictatorship. <laughs> Quite probably. I don't think he'd have a problem with that. I think he just writes another book, that's all. The sequel. Oh, sequels. <laughs> Revolution 2. <laughs> yeah, the re-revolution. Re-revolution? Hmm. James, what about you? What stuff do you want in? What do you want out? I think if they get PvP right, that's going to be a good, a good feature. And they should get PvP right, because it would just make the universe what we're really expecting it to be, I think. Another thing that, like I said before, that sort of encompasses MMOs, is a leveling system and in some respects i think this would be a good thing in others i think it would be a bad thing i was speaking to someone on the forums earlier in a in a thread about being able to sort of pass your ship to another player or just give it to them and i i don't know what other people think about this like say say a player's been on elite dangerous for absolutely ages and they've been playing really hard for you know ever since they got the game and they've managed to get themselves two Panther Clippers or two, you know, really big kitted out ships. And they just pass one over to their friend who's a complete new player to the game and, you know, just wants to give him a massive head start. I think doing that would mean he skips out on quite a big section of the game and that, you know, you should be able to give him a ship, though not necessarily 
so much that it ends up as endgame as a Panther Clipper. Um, so I think maybe a leveling system in place that means if you've got quite a lot of experience with Elite that you're able to pilot a ship like that, then yeah, maybe. But, you know, I think I think there needs to be some limitations in place. And finally, Phil, what's your thoughts? Well, the two main things that I don't want to see in Elite Dangerous. The first one is the ability to destroy escape pods. I think the escape pods should be immune from attack. What's the point of having an escape pod that's totally useless and can be destroyed? The other thing I do not want to see in Elite Dangerous is if you die, you respawn at your last save point. I think that's completely useless. If you die, you die and you start over. You have the same name, you have the same amount of credits in the bank, but you lose your ship and everything that was in it. If like you crash into the sun or you get blown up with before you use your escape pod. What I do want to see is, is basically a free universe where you're allowed to do whatever you like, and that's not within reason, because different systems will have different laws which you've got to abide by. So what you may be allowed to do in one system, you, you might not be allowed to do in another, and that would be breaking the law, and you would obviously be held accountable for that. Um, I'd really like to see that type of universe develop in Elite Dangerous. Great stuff. Well... Uh, my final thoughts on this, I've been listening to you guys talking about it and from my own MMO experience, uh, the one thing that I am desperate to see Elite Dangerous have, the thing that obviously will separate it from its previous incarnations is that of community. Uh, I would like to see us uh, flying escort missions together. I would like to see us doing some form of instances where we you know, we can only do certain things uh, as a group. Maybe things like you know, sort of flying passenger liners, making sure you have at least two escorts flying a particularly dangerous route from who knows Lave to uh, to Requat. Maybe uh, the other thing that I think has to come in from you know other MMOs, the Eve Online does have a fantastic narrative behind it. The stories that they create and you know the, the depth of the the writing and the missions and stuff is one of the things that I always enjoyed about that game. So obviously that's grown over a number of years when it came out in 2006. So they've had a lot of time to sort of build that universe. But hopefully we'll see something similar in Elite Dangerous over the, the course of years that it builds. The one thing I don't want to see is uh, is griefing, and it's quite interesting listening to to John and, and Phil talking tonight about you know what your point on griefing is so i've had to revise my my standpoint slightly this evening and say that um what i would like to see is a is a fair cause and effect system within the game so yes if there are you know people that want to sort of take on you know the newbies and blow have fun blowing the newbies up in the core systems then you know by all means they shouldn't be stopped doing that uh, but there should be some pretty harsh penalties in the form of getting, you know, them sacrificing their own ship by an overwhelming police force in the core systems to blow them up or something along those lines. Okay, so that's going to do it for that topic. What we're going to do now is we're going to move on to topic two, which is about control systems. But before we do that, let's hear what the community has to say on this issue. Commanders, incoming transmissions. Darian, a.k.a. Dax Drexen. What do you think of the interface so far? How do you want to play the game? Mouse, keyboard, joystick, control pad, Oculus Rift, multi-monitor. To be honest with you, I think all of those things sound good, to be honest with you. I don't see a reason to restrict users massively in the method of which they play the game, control method. I will probably want to play with some form of sprung analog joystick, which is in fact the way I played the original version of Elite that came out on the PC the Firebird version in 1987. 
I think it was some kind of Microsoft analog joystick that I used, which was sprung so that it would return to the center, and I got I got really proficient with that. And um, I would look to try and emulate some kind of sprung analog joystick when playing Elite Dangerous uh, in the future. I'm not super keen on PlayStation controllers, but I mean, each to their own as far as I'm concerned. So I mean, yep, mouse, yes, keyboard, yes, joystick, yes, control pad, yes. All of those things, yes. I mean, I think when it comes to Oculus Rift and multi-monitor, yeah, I, I think that, I mean, obviously it's a bit greedy, but I think, yeah, Oculus Rift support would be wonderful. Multi-monitor support, I'd say yes, but I'd probably maybe like 3D support more than I'd like multi-monitor, but um, 3D stereo vision, as it were. Um, yeah, all those things, totally valid. I, I just think, you know, as, as concerns control methods, the more the merrier, really, and then you can give the user the complete control and decision over how they'd like to play the game and what control method they'd like to use. And that's better than trying to restrict them to a specific control method. Rory Scarlet, aka Rory Scarlet. Control methods for Elite Dangerous. I'm a PC gamer through and through, so I've always seen the mouse and keyboard as the core of my gaming experience. I have a lot of experience with flight sims too, so I still have a well-battered but very reliable Sidewinder 2 which I'll certainly be employing in Elite Dangerous. I had a PlayStation in the 90s and played numerous games on that, however I ended up buying the mouse for it as games like Command and Conquer and Syndicate Wars were just impossible on the joypad. With a game like Elite Dangerous I can't see how playing, playing it without a keyboard will work, without endless menus which will slow the game down. And console gamers, are they willing to play in that way? I don't know. I currently have two monitors so the multi-monitor support will be great to see. As for Oculus Rift, well, it looks incredible. If money was no object, I'd, be, I'd buy one as soon as it's released. Unfortunately though, is the Oculus Rift going to be prohibitively expensive, especially for someone who, like me, use it for maybe five hours a week tops? That will be my issue. If it proves too expensive, then perhaps I'll consider Track IR as an alternative. That, what's that, £125? I guess it's too early to say, as there's no information yet on the commercial price. I think maybe £200 would probably be my threshold, but I think I'm being optimistic there. John Harper, aka Thargoid. In terms of control methods, I'm not sure what I'm going to use. At the moment I've got a keypad and a mousepad, which uh, isn't great for games. When I used to play First Encounters and Frontier, I played it with the mouse and the keyboard. So I imagine I'd probably do the same for Elite Dangerous. Um, haven't used a joystick in about 10 years, so I'm not going to go back down that road. I'm not a console player, so control pads aren't really, aren't really my thing either. And whenever I've tried to use them, I've failed miserably, and I'll be using a laptop. So it's not high performance, it's not high spec, it's going to be basic, it's going to be down the trenches type computer playing for me. So personally for me, I don't really care what they what they uh, use as the interface. Um, I'm just going to use the basic stuff. Darren Gray, aka Darren Gray. I am looking forward to a range of interface options. Personally, I'm a mouse and keyboard sort of guy. I don't see the point of joysticks. It's such a niche thing. Oculus Rift would be pretty cool. Multi-monitor is a bit of a must for some of the more hardcore gaming. I think though Frontier do have to be careful not to try and please everyone because things like control pads you know, it's not that easy to just design a game for one interface and then port it over to a PlayStation controller. 
it just doesn't work that well. We've seen so many games lately designed for consoles and when they port it over PC it's all set up to be used by controllers. You cannot play it with a mouse and keyboard. It's just impossible because it's, it's down to the basic design. The controls and the gameplay are inseparable. You cannot just port one to the other directly. It cannot just be an option. It needs to be part of the design from the get-go. So if they're serious about having things like controllers work with the game, they need to be integrating that from the very start. Okay, so the second topic of the show, that of control. Uh, I'm sure it's something that we are going to revisit again and again as we see some more concept arts um, and more idea about how the game interface is going to be changing. But obviously we've seen the 3D cockpit and the, the star charts. Now, uh, what do we think of the interface so far? And following on from that, the, the bigger question for this topic, how do we want to control the game? Uh, would we like to see Elite Dangerous as a game with mouse and keyboard or joysticks and joypads on single or multi-monitors? Or maybe something that embraces new innovative technologies like the Oculus Rift headset or you know, visual tracking systems? Uh, throw this straight over to John. Yeah, my answer is going to be pretty short. I like the look of Oculus Rift, but I've got no idea how much it's going to cost and whether I can justify buying it or whether it's even going to be supported um, because that's I don't know if it is. I got my dual screen now, so and that's going to be supported. Thank you for Michael Brooks confirming that, although how exactly it's going to be supported, we don't know. Um, and I'll be using a joystick. I don't really have much more to say than that. Okay, well, let's just pick up on the fact you're going to be using a joystick. Why a joystick? Um, because, now, if it had been a kind of, if it was going to be more similar to Frontier, then I might not have bothered so much. But because it's going to be quite similar to the elite flight mechanics for fighters, um, I find a joystick is a lot better for that, the roll and pitch mechanic of, of dogfighting and things like that. And you would prefer a joystick as opposed to, you know, what most people, I think, in this generation would gravitate towards, which is a joypad. Um, I like joypads for first-person shooters. I mean, I prefer mouse and keyboard more, obviously, as a PC player. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'd need to give it a go. It might suit me. I'm just thinking off the bat, I'd probably want to give a joystick a go first. Okay, well, putting you on the spot with the, the interface. Now, I know this is something that we can only talk very, very briefly on because we haven't seen that much of it, but I remember you getting quite excited about the pictures that you saw of the 3D cockpit. What's your thoughts on that? Well, it was a thing of beauty, um, and I imagine that it's probably going to be even better than that um, still screenshot because, um, as Ashley alluded to when we had him on the podcast as a guest, that whole... Um, cockpit moves and um, responds to you know taking fire and things like that and he said and i quote it was his most impressive thing that he, part of the game that he'd seen so i'm really really excited about that i can't wait to see a video of it because i think it's going to be it's going to be like something we haven't seen before it's going to reinvent the the cockpit view of the space sim um, you know and this whole holographic and the different layers of hud um, you know, you're going to have something on your helmet and then you can have something maybe on the screen and then you'll have the game heard, um, you know, breaking the fourth wall or whatever. Um, I, I, I just can't wait to see it move. It's going to be brilliant. OK, Ben. I think at the moment we need more information as to how the game's actually going to play. We know that it's going to be closer to Elite than to Frontier, but are we going to be able to 
independently move our ships on the X, Y, and Z axis? If Can I go straight up? Can I thrust up or thrust backwards or whatever if I want to by disengaging the safety interlocks or whatever? And until we know that kind of thing, then we can't actually decide what kind of controllers we really want. I think different controllers lend themselves to different inputs, um, to different kind of things. Like Angry Birds, for example, is rubbish with the mouse and keyboard, but it is ideal for your, your phone and your touchscreen. John saying that a flight simulator is best played using a joystick. I'd probably agree with him, seeing as you know, I was trying to play uh, Wing Commander the other day using my arrow keys and failing miserably at it. <laughs> Same idea, I've tried playing them using a mouse, and it's just not right. Um, I think a controller is great for kicking back and relaxing whilst playing the game, but how are you going to do your acceleration using a using a controller? You could use your left thumb pad for your vectored thrust and your right thumb pad for your pitch your maybe maybe the finger keys for your roll or something like that i don't know we'd have to see how you decide you want to do it okay what about the interface that we've seen so far so the star charts the um, the cockpits what's your thoughts been on that very very cluttered so far i hope we can focus it down to what you're doing at the time and by cluttered you mean that there's there's what an information overload there's too much stuff going on with that uh, with that cockpit like view there's or... too much too much going on for if I'm focusing in on, on a dog fight, I only want to maybe see what missiles I've got selected, my shields, maybe my the heat of my lasers or something like that, and where the enemy is. I maybe don't care so much about text messages coming in unless it's some kind of critical thing. And if it, some way we could just limit it down. And just, it just felt very, very busy to me when I was looking at the screenshots. Just to add to that briefly, I, I kind of understand what you mean by cluttered. Um, as I said, I did think it was a thing of beauty, but I get the feeling, and I kind of said this in a podcast way back, that um, you know my eyesight's pretty crap, and so focusing on a few small windows out of a you know out of a cockpit, you know, might be a bit difficult for me. So I would actually like the option of maybe just turning off the cockpit and just having you know like a basic HUD over the screen. Yeah. I'd probably find I I really hope they include that as an option because that probably be the best way for me to play the game. Well, there's also that, and I think if you've got your cockpit taking up half your screen, is that going to limit your field of view? And is that a valid design decision to limit your field of view to make it a more realistic game? Yeah, sure. I mean, it would make sense that some fighters would actually have a bit of an advantage, you know, in their cockpit view. I guess. And obviously, you know, if you had a really massive ship, you wouldn't have the ability to see all around. Um, yeah. And that's one thing that we haven't seen yet, is that if you do have a massive ship, are you going to see the nose of it? Um, are you going to be limited what you can see out the side, etc.? Well, that's interesting. I mean, do you guys think that it's, it would break the you know, the fourth wall or break the realism aspect if they went down the same route that they had in you know, Elite and also the, you know, the Frontier games and the fact that you could press your... Yeah, F1, two, three, and four keys to have you know your, your side view, your rear view, your front view, and uh, you know in Frontiers your external view with your external cameras. Do you think that's something that would actually you know, just John and Ben at the moment? Do you think that's something that would actually break the realism of the game, or do you think it could be done in that century using sort of external cameras? 
I think it wouldn't break it at all because we're wearing a helmet with presumably a very good heads-up display that can basically show me anything I want in my helmet. And we can always do this already in with things like the Oculus Rift. We can show screens, so presumably in the 32nd century or whatever it is, we can show that to a far better degree. So I don't see any reason why you couldn't have your camera at any position where you want. Um, I I think I've said this before. I think in a single-player game, you know, these external cameras, which are very unrealistic, you know, actually having a third-person camera looking at your ship, um, in a single-player, it probably doesn't matter so much. But in a multiplayer, I think that it does matter having that because, you know, if you're in a fighter, for instance, um, you could use that to more of an advantage than if you were in a larger ship and, and things like that. But saying that... Um, as I said, as somebody who um, couldn't hit uh, the side <laughs> of a barn or a barn door or whatever they say, you know, I would appreciate different views apart from the cockpit view simply because um, I'm practically disabled. So don't mock me for it. So you're putting it down to more of an accessibility issue more than something that would be you know, factored into the realism of the game. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I mean, a lot of people would say it's a bit of a cop-out to say it's an accessibility issue, but, um, I think a lot of people would agree with me that, you know, having a cockpit take up all that real estate, even if it was a fully functioning cockpit where all the controls actually did something and did convey information, it can be a bit more difficult for people that don't have great eyesight, you know, unless they've got some massive screen then then fine but um i would as i said i would probably struggle looking at the cockpit they've put in that one um uh, that one example okay well i mean it's an interesting question that obviously we'll probably maybe talk about a little bit further down the line of development but you know what do they have to do this day and age in terms of development cycle to, to factor in certain accessibility issues i mean taking yours out of the equation something nice and simple like color blindness you know, do you have to now factor that into your game development cycle as to something that you need to you know, be aware of and maybe you know, try and factor in? Anyway, we digress. Phil, what's your opinion? Well, I think uh, from, a, from a gamer's point of view, you should always uh, give them the option to program their own controls. And I'm, I'm thinking back to when I used to play Frontier First Encounters, which is a game that has to be the most awesome game of all time. I played that game for seven or eight years solid. Um, and I'm thinking about the controls in the game. And it was very, you had to learn them. It was very difficult to learn all the keys to start with. But after a month or so, you knew them like the back of your hand. And then I'm thinking forward to games like Grand Theft Auto, where you can actually program the keys you want to use for certain functions. And I think that's an important element in any game these days because not everybody likes to use a joystick like John or likes to use a joypad like you, Fozzer. People use the keyboard and the joystick or the joypad. You know, so you need to give them the choice to program their own keys. So the missile view, camera view could be any key that you choose it to be. Or it could be a button on your mouse or your keypad etc etc okay and what do you think of the you know the screenshots that we've seen of uh, you know the star maps and also the you know the 3d cockpit i'm not entirely sure you could broadcast what i think about them because well i i just reach for my nuts when i see that that picture of that cockpit i just want to be there i just want to i just want to live in that cockpit it's so beautiful 
cluttered no you've just got to separate each individual item and know what it is so it may look distracting and complicated at first sight but you're going to get used to it and the the star maps oh and when i stop drooling at those star maps i will let you know i think it's awesome the, the graphics look brilliant and i know some people on the forums have said no we need graphics like star citizen and we need to do it better than this and that and no fe2 didn't have great graphics and neither did frontier first encounters but they were great games because of the gameplay not because they looked jaw-droppingly awesome okay and james after listening to the other three guys what's your uh, opinion on all of it i think i got to share an opinion with well i think i got to share some of those opinions the cockpit i think looks i mean it's it is very pretty very well made and it does you know it is very beautiful but i think some of it is just a bit obstructing and like some of the beams and like the thing coming over the top as well with your sort of sunroof i'm not sure if it's necessary i mean it it's immersive in that it, it shows you that you're in the cockpit but from a gameplay perspective it might just get obstructing but like phil said i mean you'll you'll probably just get used to it in the end so you know may, maybe not worth changing and we'll see how people react to it i guess when when people start trying it and in alpha and beta and stuff but yeah i think it's definitely it's definitely got its good and bad aspects the star chart yeah i think that looks really good the panel at the left i'm i'm still a little bit baffled by that i'm not sure if it's just me that finds that confusing but explain what that is for people that are listening yeah it shows the solar system or the system of planets sort of in the middle and that spans most of the screen and then over on the left hand side you've got a panel with a search bar and lots of sort of check boxes for your different sort of the different things you're looking for for your system and you know, I, i'm i'm just not sure if it's i'm only seeing images of it and i you know didn't really you know read and reread the newsletter yeah but i don't know from a quick glance it looks quite confusing i'm sure it'll be fairly easy to pick up on once once we see it in game going to control systems in terms of talking about the keyboard and mouse, the joystick, the joypad. I'm personally all for the keyboard and mouse, actually, because that's what I've been using for quite a lot of games. I'm very familiar with the interface. And I can I mean, I, I can see why a lot of people would certainly lean to a joypad, because obviously we've got these current-gen and next-gen consoles, which are all using joypads. And people have sort of, you know, learned to use those quite well. And also the joystick, I can think it can it can work really well for the sort of flight model that they've got planned. And but I'm actually surprised that a lot of people didn't go for for the sort of keyboard and mouse because that's what was used in Elite. People only really had the keyboard, and I don't know if there were gaming peripherals for Frontier Frontier First Encounters, but you know I'm pretty sure the keyboard and the and the mouse were pretty key peripherals for that. And I'm surprised no one's really revisiting those. Great stuff. From my perspective, I'm going to be really greedy and say that I want keyboard, mouse, and I am, as Phil mentioned, going to say that uh, you should also have a joypad in there as well. Uh, and this basically stems from the fact that a game that I used to play, God, it must have been sort of mid-90s, called Conflict Free Space, which was another great uh, space sim, which you know, was very sort of heavily on the sort of story-driven uh, a little bit like Wing Commander, but with big, big sort of capital ships. Now, what Phil was saying about allowing you to set your controls, Free Space let you basically remap anything that you had 
any control you had in the game you could remap and it also allowed you to remap it to a joypad now there was stacks of keys on the keyboard and trying to fly that with mouse or a joystick or a joypad and also have the keys involved at the same time was a nightmare it was just practically impossible uh, almost ruined the game but when you got your you know your microsoft sidewinder joypads you know, the ones that came with all the the extra buttons and stuff the ability to map out all the buttons that you need in combat flights onto that joypad so you could actually just fly all your ships have control of all your secondary weapons primary weapons everything else uh, targeting all on a joypad it just made the game so much more immersive now in terms of mouse and keyboard once you're docked and you're doing stock markets and stuff then yeah by all means you know jump onto a keyboard you know type in quantities use the mouse to select things absolutely fine no no issues with that whatsoever um, but I do think that when you've got modern day control pads like the PS2 or the PS3 pad and the Microsoft pad, it's got so many buttons on there that, yeah, it lends itself so much more to the arcade style that um, Elite Dangerous is going to be. And if you can imagine, for example, obviously you've got your left and your right uh, analog sticks for controlling, pitch, your you know, accelerate, decelerate, um, strafing left and right. But if you think about your shield management, if you think of your D-pad, you could press your up D-pad for forward shields, remove all your energy management to put them forward to your forward shields. If you're going through, say, an asteroid belt or if you know you're being attacked from the front. And it's just because it's there, it's tangible. It's easy to shift over as opposed to going, oh, no, what key do I need to press in order to do my shield management? It just sort of makes it real time and makes it much, much more immersive as an experience. Uh, in terms of the, yeah, the screenshots and stuff that we've seen, I think you've got to give um, kudos to Frontier Developments for making an extremely pretty game. I mean, the stuff that we've seen so far in terms of the interface suggests that it's going to be absolutely gorgeous. Uh, a cluttered cockpit, potentially, but again, from a static screenshot, you don't exactly know what it's going to be doing in real life. I mean, that could be a screenshot of everything on that cockpit switched on, you know, and it could be that when you're actually playing the game, only certain things would be you know, scenario dependent or situation dependent where you know, they'll highlight and come on. Apart from that, they could just be sort of dimmed or switched off. As James says, you know, that sort of thing is going to be tweaked in the alpha and the beta, so I'm not overly concerned about it just at the moment. So, yeah, and also if you think about these cockpits, they're also designed with uh, walking around in the ships, uh, taking that into account further down the line. So it will be interesting to see how, once you sit in that cockpit, whether or not you can get a feeling of, uh, you know, the ship at large and what it's going to feel like in a few expansions time where you can actually sort of get out of your seat go to the back of the uh, the cockpit and, and start walking around your ship so yeah i mean it's, it's very very exciting uh, in terms of what you guys were saying about external videos and stuff like that does that not really lend itself to the whole multi-monitor idea so that you could have you know two monitors side by side you can have your front view and your side view or your front view and your rear view I personally think that you know, flying towards a, or leaving a space station and having your front view on your left monitor and seeing the space station get smaller and smaller behind you on your right monitor would just be, ah, uh, it would just be awesome, absolutely awesome. Okay, anybody else got any more to add to that? James, let's go for it. Right, this is going to sound like a really deliberate plug, but I've actually got a pretty good reason for saying this. I just use one monitor at the moment. First of all, because I haven't actually managed to get a second one, but also because... Um, because I'm a YouTube gamer, so when I record, uh, when I record my games, I can only record one screen at a time. And even if I could record a second screen, it would look really weird in the YouTube player. So when I go to record something like Elite Dangerous, which I plan on doing, let's point that out, um, then 
I don't want uh, at the moment. Is it something that we really want? I know it's a very passionate few on the forums that are asking about it. To see what stuff I've got in my cargo bay, um, you know, and be pointing that out in the video when people can't really see it. And, you know, that, that for me is quite important. So I need to be able to work with one monitor and it needs to be, it needs to still be efficient. Um, I can still, I can, I can see that a lot of people, obviously the majority of people probably won't be streaming onto YouTube or other things like that. But I think most people won't have more than one monitor, to be honest. So yeah, they need to build enough. it in a way so that it can work on a single monitor. Yeah, but it obviously also needs to work on it needs to have multi-monitor support and good multi-monitor support for the people who want it as well. Ben? I think the only way that you can really support multiple monitors without giving people an, an additional advantage would be to extend the screen rounds and alter your field of view. So yeah, you can maybe see a little bit more of the screen, but you can see a little bit more around you. So you, you're changing your field of view. You can see more of the space around you. You can see more controls, but I think it would break your immersion in the game so that you've got effectively a window of the stock market or whatever sitting up in your second monitor. I just think that would take you out of the game and break the fourth wall. Interesting. Hmm. I'm not sure if I agree with that, actually. I'm not sure it doesn't sort of just drag you in a little bit more. But anyway, has anybody got anything that they want to, any final points before we wrap this up and close down this episode? I'm going to go to John. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. You're so kind. Um, no, I was just going to say, it will be interesting, you know, talking about, you know, whether consoles will be able to play the game or not. We recently spoke to Mark Allen. We had the very interesting talk because um, he brought up the fact that um, he was a Lua programmer um, and that, you know, Lua could feature for things like macros. Now, that's all good news for PC players. You know, if, if the game is going to suit that kind of thing where you've got macros um, to help you uh, perform certain complex tasks with a single key press and for mapping complex functions to a single button. But obviously that doesn't work with consoles. Lua would be of no use to them whatsoever. And would they be willing to just say, well, you know, console players will just have to be a, a bit of a disadvantage? Um, it would be quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. But obviously they've said that, you know, at the moment the PC game is going to be the main focus and we haven't heard anything about console versions whatsoever uh, i think that's probably going to be a little bit further off down the line yeah and you know picking up on that i think the crux of the matter is that you can't give anybody an advantage uh, by people having a multi-monitor system uh, over those that actually only have a single monitor system so maybe you could only use the second monitor for things like as you say what's in your cargo hold um, you know, your star maps and something like that, as opposed to giving people the option of, you know, exporting different views onto it, because that could potentially give them uh, an unfair advantage over those that are just playing with a single monitor. So, you know, it's a balancing act that I think, you know, they will probably have to take that into consideration. Does anybody have anything to say about the, you know, the idea of Oculus Rift or, um, or visual tracking? I know it's one of those things that it's, it's very niche, it's very sort of innovative, you know, the whole idea of having a virtual reality headset that tracks your movements and you know, allows you to look around the cockpit and, and stuff in game would be would be quite cool. I mean, Frontier Developments have said that they want to look at it later down the line, but they don't have an, a software developer kit for it. Ben? I think later on, once it takes off, if it 
become if it becomes popular, then yeah, sure, have a look at it. Till then, I think it's just a waste of development time, and Elite Dangerous doesn't have seventeen million dollars behind it. Okay, cool. Okay, James. Well, it is cool. I think not enough people are going to have it to make it a big thing, especially at the initial launch. I know that some games have had sort of modded support for Oculus Rift, and I know that we've discussed on Lave Radio before the um, about modding tools and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think if people really want it, they might be able to add their own support to it and make that public. But, you know, in terms of Frontier spending development time to put that into the game for the initial, for the initial launch, I don't think it's really necessary. Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for episode three of the conclave all that's left for me to do is say thank you very much to mr john stabler it's been a pleasure to ben thanks for having me have you got anything that you'd like to pimp out whilst you're here ben uh no i don't think i've got anything that's needing pimping out it's all going away quite nicely actually down the docks <laughs> not a problem phil thanks very much for taking part mate have you got anything you want to pimp yeah, sure. If anybody's interested in talking about all things elite, uh, they should join the irc.quakenet.org uh, IRC server in the hash elite-dangerous channel. Thanks very much for having me. And finally, James, thanks very much for taking part, mate. If you've got anything you'd like to pimp out. I would love to pimp out my YouTube channel, which I uh, intentionally plugged earlier, but um, in case anyone's interested in actually knowing the URL for that, it's youtube.com slash onevigor. You can also find a link to it just in my signature on the forums. Um, and yeah, I've had a really good time being here. Okay, thanks very much to everybody that's taking part, and we will see you for the next episode. much interesting to tell actually i was i didn't think to think of anything interesting to say so i'll just leave it there and that'd be a priceless one for the edit should elite dangerous be trying to emulate mmos um hang on i sent you a whole thing yeah i know i just found it it's all right we'll go back to that (laughs) (laughs) sorry guys i've been busting his chops about writing an intro to that uh, question for days and he finally got it over to me today, and I've actually just ignored it. So uh, before he really goes mental on me, let me uh, just start that again. When this question is asked, people will usually answer it with their feelings on multiple, massively multiple online role-playing gamey thingies. Sorry, Foz, uh, John's breaking me just now. Yeah, just John and Ben at the moment. Do you think that's something that would actually break the realism of the game? Or do you think it could be done in that century using sort of external cameras? Well, I think... Uh, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Phil. Phil. Hey, Phil. <laughs> Sticking to John and Ben. Oh, I was, sorry. I was, sorry. I was letting John go in first, but it wasn't letting oh, me type. sorry. I totally misheard that. So, you know, if, if it... You know, where... It, sorry.
Your escorts come with long legs and boobs, which is <laughs> preferable. Hold on, Phil, I'm going to say that again, because I'm really sick of hearing myself say, thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. What's your thoughts? Thoughts, 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 thoughts. Uh, Phil, what's your opinion? Talk to me. Say um, something. Uh, <laughs> something uh, yeah, Sorry, I'm 